It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. He's just a criminal who murders people. Be careful how you speak to me, boy. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. You can't run from your past. Is this what you wanted? You got this. Thank you. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and the story is as follows. Martial arts master Shang-Chi confronts the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. The film is starring Simu Liu, Aquafina, Florian Montenu, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh, and Tony Leung. It is written and directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, and it is written by Dave Callahan and Andrew Lenham. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Lauren LaMagna. Hello, hello. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Daniel Howitt. Hello. And joining us as a guest here on the podcast for this review from strangeharbors.com, we have Jeffrey Zhang. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you very much for hopping on to the show here to talk about this movie. Uh, This is a new character introduction into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. First time we are getting Asian representation here within the MCU, diving pretty deep here into a whole new mystical world with all these new characters. 
It's a lot to take on, especially for a first entry here with a character that we have not really had much of an introduction to in any of the other Marvel films. You know, sometimes they'll have characters come in as like a supporting character. I remember this is how they introduced Black Panther during Captain America Civil War before he got his standalone film. But no, with Shang-Chi, we're kind of just thrown into this very epic, yet also very surprisingly personal story of this character who uh, undergoes quite a hero's journey, if I do say so. Uh, There's a lot to talk about with this one. We're going to avoid spoilers for this review. So why don't we first start off with our guest here, Jeffrey. What did you ultimately think, general thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yeah, so I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, I do think my experience watching this movie kind of colors my opinion a little bit because uh, uh, the press screening that I went to, it was the first screening that was completely jam-packed for me. So, like, I think it's funny to contrast this with, like, something like The Suicide Squad, which I actually think is a better movie, but I had a way better time at Shang-Chi than, than the Suicide Squad, just because, like, everyone is, like, laughing at the jokes and, like, cheering on, like, all the action scenes and everything. Um, and and that communal experience is definitely something that's, like, I think essential to, like, going to the movies. Like, say what you want about accessibility. I, I do think the last year or so we've seen, like, pretty good strides in accessibility for critics and and things like that but mm-hmm. but that that movie going experience is is definitely something that's that adds to whatever you're you're taking in right especially when it's a marvel film because you know because it yeah, has all that exactly. pre-built in anticipation and hype around it yeah yeah and i i've been to i've only been to a couple of press screenings i've only i'm, I'm pretty new to new to this so my suicide squad screening was like dead it was like eight or nine film critics um no one laughed at any of the jokes um there's no cheering of any kind so that kind of like put a dampen on the experience even though i think that's probably a better movie than this um but but don't get me wrong i i love this movie i think it's one of the first marvel movies that really captures a distinct voice yeah i i thought the action was great um really unique choreography but I, I, I really like Marvel films, but I'm also not blind to the, the issues that they have sometimes. And and this was not like one that was immune to some of these issues. Um, I really did not like the third act of this movie. Um, I think Marvel movies tend to go big and they don't know when to stop. Um, I think that was a big issue with this with this movie. But I do think the emotional beats in that third act worked and it kind of offset how bombastic it was and how how my eyes kind of glazed over uh which they tend to do for these marvel movies you know so much cgi and like just to this weightlessness that that you get a lot um but i thought everyone was great i thought tony leong pretty much acted circles around everyone in this thing but simu Liu held his own i think he had good chemistry with aquafina there's more romance in this movie than almost any other Marvel film, which I really, really found refreshing. I, I thought the representation beats were great too. You know, really capturing like the Asian American experience and and hitting on that trope of like disapproving parents and things like that. Um, so I, I I really enjoyed this. Nice, really, really nice. 
Lauren, our resident comic book geek here at Next Best Picture, what did yep. you think of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings? And how jealous was your brother when you told him that you saw it before him? <laughs> Ooh, he's mad about it. But um, yeah, as everyone knows, I love Marvel. I love comics, specifically Marvel. And um, I was super excited about this film. To be honest, I wasn't that experienced with the character. He's not really featured in the content that I grew up with. And I'm kind of sensing a pattern with, you know, as we move forward with, you know, Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe, I have to do a little bit more research with um, newer characters, which is fine and it's exciting. So I wouldn't say I had low expectations, but they didn't. I didn't have a lot of expectations for this film, which I think is exciting because it can go wherever it wants to go. And I think the people at Marvel kind of had that idea as well because this character isn't as popular as, let's say, an Iron Man or a Captain America. They can expand creatively. And I think that kind of is a big positive and a rare positive for something at Marvel Studios. But I really enjoyed this. I loved how we delved into, you know, a different type of mythology because we kind of deal with, you know, Greek and Roman. So the fact that we could go somewhere else is awesome. I love the new fight choreography, which was stellar, which we will talk about to lengths probably. Um, I loved, um, it kind of felt not like a Marvel movie at first, which was kind of exciting where you would forget that it's a Marvel film. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Marvel-esque will come back at you, which I thought it was really refreshing and just the comedy with the family dynamic was something that got me really invested and really involved. And I'm excited to see where this character goes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I do think that this is a breath of fresh air for the MCU and for phase four in general. And I really like where they went with this one. All right. Daniel Howitt, what did you think of this one? Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I, I really loved Shang-Chi. Um, I know I'm not alone in thinking that Short Term 12 is one of the best movies of the past decade. And so I've be- really been waiting for Destin Cretton to make something genuinely great again. And um, Shang-Chi is a little bit of a different movie than Short Term 12. But um, I- I'm I'm really pleased to say that I enjoyed it so, so much. Um, I may not be the level of Marvel fan that Lauren is, but I generally love the Marvel movies, you know, I think they're all good to some degree for the most part. And, um, and even though I like them, some of them can really start to blend together. I think black widow is a great example of a movie that I enjoyed, but it's relatively forgettable in the universe. Um, but Shang-Chi is a totally different story. I think it stands out in this world in, in so many ways. And, um, I, I, I definitely have issues with the movie. I think Jeff nailed a lot of the, the, my thoughts on the third act. Um, I totally agree with everything he was saying and we can dive in a little bit more to that. But aside from those issues, um, this movie is just so much fun. I think in a lot of ways, this movie prioritizes being fun. Um, and so it's just a really, really enjoyable experience. The action is so different from what we normally see in the universe. The hand to hand combat is so amazing it's inspired by some you know some of the martial arts greats uh, pretty clear references to jackie chan the bus sequence honestly might be one of my favorite action sequences in a marvel movie so far um it was just really incredible and and there's world building here too that's almost as good as as black panther maybe not quite the level of wakanda but still there's some really good world building in there and i love that it's uh, a different sort of 
like origin story. There's there's not this magical origin story like we typically get. Instead, it's more of an origin story for uh, for his father, for for uh, his father's character. And so we see so much more about that, and uh, it makes for one of the best villains. Obviously, because Tony Leung is just a, an amazing actor, but he makes for a really complicated and grounded villain. Um, and yeah, I just really, really loved this movie so much. I loved how fun it is. It's it's funny, a lot funnier than I was ex- expecting. It's exciting. Um, I really had the best time with it. Like I said, I have some complaints, but overall, this is a really, really great movie. And it has one of the most badass post credit scenes in the MCU. I, I we're probably not getting into spoilers here, uh, so I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But I, I really love the post credit scene as well. So overall, I'm I really am. Uh, I, couldn't be that much more happy with uh, with Shang Chi and Josh Parham. So for me, I just want to say that I tend to come to Marvel movies at a little bit of a different place than other people. I don't like hate these movies. I don't want to give off that impression, but for the most part, like Marvel movies, I'm just very like ambivalent towards. Like they're fine, they're entertaining for what they are, but I just have never really found myself in the direct path of like the target audience for these movies, I would say. Um, Am I talking to Josh Parham or Martin Scorsese right now? What is happening? <laughs> uh, I mean, I am a little sympathetic to what Scorsese feels, but like, again, they're fine movies. I don't, I don't think they're bad. They just tend to not be for me with very few exceptions um, in their line of films. And I think that this one actually is a little bit better than what they normally do. And I think there's a couple reasons for that that have already been stated. I think for one, as has been mentioned, the action choreography with the fight sequences is just top notch. I think that's one thing that really separates it from the other ones that have always had good fight sequences, but I think there's a real care to make them distinct in this one. And I really appreciated that. I also think that Tony Leung is amazing. I mean, he's amazing in everything, but I think having an actor of that caliber in this type of story really elevates things. And I very much appreciated what he was bringing to the table. And I think those two elements in particular are what I found really good about this. I think that after we get through the first act, it does kind of drag for me a little bit. And especially the finale, it does kind of indulge in some of the bigger spectacle action that, I tend to not really connect with in Marvel movies a ton, but I still think it's a fun movie overall. I I still think it has a lot of elements that will please the general Marvel fans out there. And even for people that may not be so into the universe, like I am, there was enough here that I found myself like being genuinely entertained by. And I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I did have a good enough time with it to think that it was entertaining. I think that this movie is at its best when it is not a Marvel movie. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So all the moments where we're getting uh, cameos from other characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, except for one. And I, I will reveal this one because, uh, I mean, you can look it up on Wikipedia right now, but uh, ben Kingsley uh, shows up again as Trevor Slattery from uh, Iron Man 3, the the uh, fake Mandarin. And I, I love his inclusion in this. But having Benedict Wong in here, uh, having 
abomination for what is just ultimately a throwaway scene. Like, there's just all these moments where I do feel like it kind of derails the storytelling because it has to obviously, as always, like all these movies have to, they have to fit into some sort of larger universe and a grand plan from, you know, the god himself, Kevin Feige. But let's stick to the positives and what's at play here. I think that this story of this character who uh, was raised to be a killer, uh, a very, very strong, skilled warrior who has a heart and has a conscience. And there is this very fascinating uh, internal struggle within him uh, that he is exploring throughout the movie. It's not him you know, as an origin story, like discovering his powers or anything like that. No, this is a different kind of uh, introductory film. And I really like that approach to the storytelling. And I agree with what Howard said before. Uh, uh, Destin Daniel Crenton uh, really does focus extremely well on on aspects of human drama in movies like Just Mercy or Short Short Term 12. And here these, uh, these characters are very, very fleshed out. And as a result, I do think that it allows for this story to have an emotional pull to it that I really, really was not expecting. I, I knew it was going to be funny. Um, how funny I, I was kind of waiting to see because Aquafina's inclusion uh, is usually her comedy's a little hit or miss for me, even though I think she's a good actress, uh, like in movies like The Farewell. Uh, but I, I was pleasantly surprised to see that her humor and the chemistry that she had with uh, Simu Liu uh, was really, really, really well done. And I was very invested in that relationship. But as I already mentioned before, uh, Tony Leung just steals this freaking movie. I mean, like, runs away with it. It is one of the best villains that the MCU has ever given us, I think. And part of that is because, like all great villains, he does not see himself as a villain. He has clear motivations for what it is that he's trying to do. The motivations are extremely understandable and relatable, and they are rooted in something very, very strong that we can all like that we can all strongly feel in our own hearts. And in that regard, like I think that the storytelling really does elevate a lot of the film's other flaws, mainly, like I said, trying to fit into this larger universe. And yeah, I got to echo what was said before that third act. That third act was literally everything except the kitchen sink. And who knows? Maybe it got thrown in there, too. I don't know. But damn, we, you know, um, Jeffrey mentioned uh, the Suicide Squad er earlier. I mean, like, I thought we got enough kaiju uh, monsters uh, for this summer. But no, no, not at all. (laughs) They had, they had to throw uh they had to throw dragons at us and flying creatures and like I uh and I, and you know what I don't have a problem with this necessarily I had a problem actually with how it was executed there came a point where the more grounded smaller scale action like the bus sequence or the scaffolding sequence on the side of the building those sequences are so incredibly well done that when they start throwing in all these CGI elements for this grand spectacle in the third act, I think that is where a director like Destin Daniel Cretton, this being his first big blockbuster film with this kind of a budget, I do think that that is where his inexperience started to show because those scenes didn't, they just didn't look 
as good as they could have, in my opinion. Yeah, they didn't look good. I didn't think they looked good either. Like, they're flying through the air and stuff, and I'm having trouble figuring out what what's going on, and I'm having Game of Thrones Season 8 flashbacks to dragon fighting, and I'm just saying to myself, <laughs> like, oh, God, like, why can't anybody nail this? <laughs> I, I, I mean... I- I don't want to stick up too much for for that third act because I definitely agree with all the problems. But I wouldn't. I would, I'm not sure that I would lay the blame at the feet of the uh, of of Cretton specifically because I feel like this is a problem with every almost every single Marvel movie. They they all do this towards the end where they just swell into this bloated CGI mess at the end. So it's it's kind of a chronic Marvel issue more than his directorial style it reminded me of in black panther a phenomenal movie maybe the best marvel movie same uh, problem same problem at the very end you have you know you've got all this great action throughout most of the movie and then all of a sudden in the end in the climactic battle scene you've got dudes riding rhinos throughout and you know it's just like ridiculous so i don't know what was more i don't know what was more ridiculous if i'm being honest with you the 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 cgi or uh that aquafina could learn how to shoot a bow and arrow in the amount of time that she was given (laughs) (laughs) i i wanted to ask you guys is is there a marvel movie that bucks that trend where it doesn't devolve into that cgi mess if you want to put it that not that it doesn't like do it but i think a film that does it better than others is thor ragnarok mm. okay that's yes i guess I, I i think uh endgame took a lot more time to put more stakes into it it's obviously a crazy cgi mess um but there's more stakes so that the climactic battle scene feels better in that one but yeah i'm not sure one i i can't think of a marvel movie off the top of my head that doesn't devolve into this in some way see but here's the thing about this final sequence though when it's centered on the two characters the father and son that that is when that that's the good stuff that's the stuff that we want and that's what that's what that third act should have been building up to all that time that's that those are those stakes how it that we're connected to yeah everything else it's just like Oh, we got to give the other characters something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was going to say Civil War didn't really have that, right? Because it kind of subverts your expectations. Uh, yeah, I mean, they killed all the super soldiers in that, you know? So, like, uh, it went in a different direction than you thought it was going to be. And it's just Iron Man, Bucky, and Captain America fighting. And I, I, I that's why what that's one of my favorite ones, actually, because it subverts your expectations with a big cgi spectacle see like and we get a little bit of that here yeah a little bit because it's like there is this mano mano you know one-on-one fight happening just amongst all this other crazy shit happening <laughs> and that's the best part of the third act the the resolution of both of their emotional arcs right i i think that's that's the strength of the third act even though there is yeah. all this big cgi stuff yeah um, that's that's why I don't think the third act is a complete like waste. Like that, that's why I still no, I really, think, really enjoyed yeah. the movie because there is a lot of good stuff in the third act. It's just the action isn't very good. But I, I agree. I, I think I think Jeff said in his, in his opening uh, remarks there, the, the emotional beats really, really work in the third act. Like I, I really all this stuff. Well, I guess we're not doing spoilers, but all the stuff between father and son there were were really, really strong. Yeah, I, I think that the story really does take its time to not only tell you the uh, story of Shang-Chi, but also the story of his father as well. There is a uh, an arc for him uh, contained within this, and having those two parallel each other side by side like this, um, it is kind of disappointing to me that 
uh, he has an estranged uh, sister in this movie. And I feel like she does not have nearly as much material to work with as either of those other two characters go. And that was kind of a disappointment to me. Like, she just felt like kind of a throwaway character. Even, even like, when they both arrive uh, and they, they've both come home and uh, Tony Leung, like, proudly announces, my son has come home and his daughter is, like, sitting, standing right next to him. And it's like, well, she's there too, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's part of the... That's part of the character, right? Because it goes to the patrilineal uh, structure of like the Ten Rings and like how much the women are ignored, right? And I think that's how I read into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they did a good job with the character. I think Menger Zhang is fantastic. She's really good. I, I did want to see more of her, but I feel like she could have been more of a throwaway character, and they did more with her than. I expected and and I enjoyed her performance a lot and and her physical performance is fantastic too. She she has some of the best fight scenes in this movie too. So um, yeah, I appreciated that. Like like I said, she's introduced I think in a very very strong manner at the club scene. Uh, but mm-hmm. once they kind of get back home, it's I I do feel like the narrative does forget about her, and that's like kind of also a problem I have with Aquafina too. In this in this is that. While I genuinely loved the initial introduction to her relationship, uh, Katie's relationship with uh, Shang-Chi, uh, she knows him as Sean. And, and there's a great bit about that, too. <laughs> Sean, of all the names. <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of like these uh, deadbeat best friends who were working the, these dead-end jobs, but they have fun doing it, and they like their lives, and they like that their lives don't really amount to much, and everybody's telling them that they should, you know, get married and do other things with their lives, and they're just not about that. I There was something super relatable about, like, that slacker uh, mentality, and you also know, too, that even though it's a platonic relationship, like, deep down, they care about each other very, very much, and they're definitely going to, uh, you know, end up together. Uh, but as the story progresses and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the stakes get larger and larger, it did feel like the plot was bending over backwards to try to find ways to incorporate Aquafina into the plot somehow. Yeah. I, I, I think she don't pro- agree with that because I think, you know, you need, especially with Marvel, you need someone for your to react to the exposition because every single character kind of understands what's going on, but the outsider. So Aquafina's character, you know, plays into the audience's POV. Which, that's fine. I get that. Yeah, and it's fine when it's, you know, a Marvel film, aka a Disney film for, you know, the young kids. And I think she works in that area. In that area, yes. It's more of, I want to help you. I have no training. I'm not a skilled assassin, but I want to help. And it's like, girl, these guys are trying to kill us. (laughs) Like... How are you going to help? And it's almost like she she's more of a liability, I feel like, than anything, you know? I, I have this weird relationship with Aquafina in movies where I, I I go into almost every Aquafina movie, like, totally ready to roll my eyes at everything she does and expecting that she's going to be too much or too over the top or or whatever. And then for some reason, it always I'm always surprised at how much I like her character. Uh, I feel like it's happened in like three or four movies now. Um, but yeah, I, it's the same thing. I think I agree with you, Matt. I think they did kind of get desperate with trying to figure out how to make her character work in that climactic battle. Um, but outside of that, I, I agree with Lauren. I think that the outsider perspective was really helpful. And it didn't feel 
too forced. I think probably at some at some points it did, but I think overall it didn't feel too forced. Like she was just there to receive exposition. Um, I think she had really good comedic beats. I think she and Simu Leo played really well off of each other. So yeah. I think I think she was actually a good addition to the movie overall, even if there are some narrative issues toward the end. I think that this movie's story and its screenplay is kind of messy in some places. And I think that when we talk about some of these characters that are kind of on the sidelines that don't really feel like they're adding that much, I would unfortunately sort of add Michelle Yeoh into that group too. And obviously we all love her, but I think that character doesn't really do that much in this story. And I think it just speaks to sort of how as this movie goes on and as its scope gets bigger, it kind of starts to lose that intimacy a little bit for me. And I think that intimacy is where the movie works best in that dynamic between father and son. And when it starts to get beyond that, I think that it its ambitions are a little bit too grand at that point. And, I, and it becomes like a, another Marvel movie that I sort of lose interest in. But I will give it credit for at least sort of attempting to keep that through line. And I think those are definitely the best parts of it. And even though I think it does sort of struggle to find room for these other characters on the sidelines who are played by very good actors, and I think they do uh, a good job with the material that they are given, I do think that the scope of things towards the end pushes them out of the overall narrative. And that is a little bit... Uh, disappointing for me. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. What I liked about Michelle Yeoh's inclusion in this is that it is their way of uh, paying homage to uh, classic uh, Hong Kong action films that have inspired uh, this movie's action as we talked about before like the fight choreography has i think a lot of elements that are borrowed from movies like crouching tiger hidden dragon or um you could name any number of jackie chan you know films uh you can go back even further than that maybe even to uh some bruce lee uh martial arts films and there's just i feel like a lot of care even though it's obviously very modern and there are a lot of cgi elements at play here i think the moments where there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat that's done in camera with real stuntmen and uh simu liu i i think also is a uh trained stuntman as well if i remember correctly uh it 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 shows some of those uh sequences i feel are just some of the most exhilarating that Marvel has put forth maybe since the first time we saw uh, the Winter Soldier and were blown away by the change in style uh, with the action in that movie. Yeah, he's a good stunt performer. 
I feel like I might be in the minority of not being totally captivated by his performance. I think that he has like enough charm to just sort of get by on the surface. But I, I, I don't know. Personally, for me, he came across a little stilted, but not enough to like hurt the movie overall. But I know there's a lot of like positive reactions for his performance that I'm not quite there with, but he's like just sort of fine for me. I mean, Josh, we just watched Henry Golding recently in Snake Eyes. And come on, you got to admit this is better. I mean, sure, <laughs> it's better, but like, I don't know. And like I said, I'm not saying that he's bad. I just think that as the lead, I didn't really find myself being pulled into the story based solely on his performance. I, honestly, between the interactions of him and Aquafina, I, I honestly found Aquafina a little bit more uh, giving a compelling performance. And of course, when you've got Tony Leung in your movie, like God help any other actor that's on screen that <laughs> yeah, you're uh, sharing everyone, time with. He, he literally puts every other performance in a bag and carries it on his back and just walks away and then throws it into the river. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, like he is this movie secret weapon. And oh my God, he, he is so incredible in, in this movie. Like, I'm not going to say like it's one of his best performances, but the way that he's able to take this character and infuse him with such, as we said, like this relatability with his motivations that feels so genuine was just amazing to watch. And he is really, really good in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you were talking about uh, Shang-Chi, like Simu Liu's like interiority, but like what makes Wenwu, uh, Tony Leung's character so great is that, he has interiority too, right? Like you yeah. see that struggle inside him and you see so many different facets of that character. Like he gets to be romantic. He gets to be tender. He gets to be even loving, but he's also absolutely horrifying, right? Like he's really, really scary at times too. I think about the scene where he uh, exacts revenge uh, on a particular group of people and he makes his uh, son watch as he you know, murders these, uh, these men in front of him. So like, yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. Like he has a commanding menacing quality about him that he, uh, it it really, it's really intoxicating. Like every single time he comes on screen, you don't really know what side of him you're going to get. And that just made for such an exciting, uh, viewing experience, uh, to just spend time with his character. Personally, I could even, um, argue that his character is kind of even a co-lead because everything that For sure. Chuck yeah, is yeah, doing is in is reacting to his father. His culture, everything about what he does in this movie is reacting to his dad. Where his dad has his own character journey as well. So everything, like he's not even like making decisions. Not I wouldn't say on his own, but everything he's doing is because of something his dad does. Not making a stand against something which could be you know a negative on Shanchin as a character not being as I guess expressive or as direct because he is very internal because he is again just reacting to what his dad is doing he's much more of the active character out of the two I mean also remember too like the reason why that character is so guarded and internal is because kid had a fucked up childhood <laughs> you know like I, I, I imagine that that would obviously uh, create some scars that you would carry with you into adulthood. And I think that Simu Liu uh, plays, that, plays that very well. There's a particular uh, scene that he has with Aquafina where he reveals uh, something very, very dark from his past that he had previously uh, lied to her about. And I, did, I actually 
I, I actually thought that was a very, very bold choice uh, from the writers to, to, you know, actually confess that that is, you know, something that the lead character actually, you know, did. Because I really think that that challenges us as an audience then to really, really grapple with that character's set of circumstances. And on the flip side of that, the same thing is going on with Wenwu as well, where the... Um, prologue to the film the is all about his world domination and how he is this complete sociopath and and just narcissist and you know power power more 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 and then it's like this guy falls in love and we're just supposed to we're supposed to like him all of a sudden like what's going on here you know so i i like that the movie was throwing these sudden turns with these characters to make them more multifaceted and, and more complex. And it, it got, it made me more engaged. Yeah. This movie is a lot darker than you would expect. I think. Yeah. Um, I think in, in most, in a lot of ways, it's more of a tragedy than like a real, like, I mean, it's a superhero movie, but you know, it, it's got a darker edge around it. And, um, but, but when you're talking about that revenge sequence, how about Bill Pope's work there? That that was incredible too, where he has like that spinning camera. I love that. Um, yes, during that action sequence, there, there are some sequences in this that really do look uh, very beautiful. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. about the um, the map reveal with the water. Yes, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there are um, there is also a, a fight scene that God it reminded me so much of Skyfall. Uh, I think it was like a purple uh, neon silhouette. It, it pretty mm. much is a ripoff of Skyfall. It's pretty much the exact same like setup. Them fighting with, uh, you know, an LED screen on a on a skyscraper in the background. But it's a beautiful. Yeah, no, there was a there was definitely a number of moments in this where I, I really did like the visual style that was being presented. Even though Marvel does get, admittedly so. Uh, a lot of criticism uh, for its visual style. There there were a couple of standout moments in this. I don't think that Shang-Chi ever does fully escape the Marvel cinematic look. No. But yeah. but there are some individual moments in there. We we haven't spent enough time talking about the bus sequence. <laughs> it really is like one of the best action sequences I've seen in a Marvel movie. I mean, it's uh, I, mean, I, th- I feel like they're teasing it too much i think they're showing too much of it uh with clips and stuff online because they know how good it is (laughs) and they can't help themselves it is the sole reason that that opening act takes place in san francisco there's one i mean i mean the best laugh in that whole sequence um, the most surprising part of that whole sequence is the moment where uh the one kid on the uh, bus takes out his phone and he's like yo 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 (laughs) he starts like narrating the fight to his channel it blends action and comedy really really well exactly like you said with that guy live streaming like it's hilarious and but the the hand to hand combat is is done so incredibly well. Um, it it really just all around is a thrilling sequence. It set up the movie so well. I was so into this movie after that sequence was over. I was like, all right, you won, you got me. I mean, I don't think the movie ever matches that sequence. I agree. In That's, any of its subsequent action yeah, scenes, I don't think so. I mean, it it has Brad Allen's fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he unfortunately passed away during production, but he was part of Jackie Chan's stunt team, right? Mm-hmm. And he 
was the lead stunt coordinator on this and and his fingerprints are all over that fight where you know uh shang chi's like taking off his jacket mid-fight and then putting it back on with that elbow strike that was really great um a lot of great moments in that and and he even like echoes jackie chan is like oh i don't want any trouble you know uh, <laughs> uh yeah so and then also using the jacket as a as like yeah, a prop yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. that's that's straight out of jackie chan right there yeah i also really really liked the I, and i can't remember what it's called someone tell me if they can remember but the style of uh martial arts that uh his mother uh would utilize it's like tai chi but then like you, you mean like the the film style like the wuxia it, film yes yes because <laughs> that like reminded me a lot of other films that i've seen before as well so i liked once again that this movie was incorporating uh different elements right, right. all into a single film uh, but I really particularly like just the contrast in styles. And I also really enjoyed how that was something that he had to learn. Right. Even though, once again, I think the movie does kind of, I think, take some shortcuts in that regard. Like Aquafina shooting a bow and arrow. Well, uh, you know, Shang-Chi has to learn this fighting style. Oh, he, he practiced for an hour and he's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think I do think the movie's a little little. There's a little too much plot convenience there going on. But, you know. If you're emotionally invested, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think what makes the action in, like, the first two acts of the movie pretty good is that most of it does feel like it is coming from a place of character. Like, you are understanding these people the way that, like, sort of they interact with each other, the way that they think about the world through their fighting. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. Like, the first fight between uh, his parents, you get to see the differences between them as like personalities and that's why it's so fascinating and as the movie goes on i think it loses some of that perspective and i think that's why like the finale even though there's a impressive like visuals happening it doesn't feel quite as captivating because i think we lose the more intimate character perspective but up until then not only are these sequences really well choreographed but they do come from a place of character motivation as well and i think that's what makes them particularly strong one element of this movie that I feel like is uh, going to be pretty undersung, but I particularly really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I really, really liked the score by uh, Joel P. West. Uh, did the score stand out for anybody else while watching this? It totally did for me. agree. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree, especially yeah. during the, <laughs> the bus the sequence. Yeah. Um, I, I was not expecting uh, that element to jump out at me as much as it did, uh, but it, it, there were a couple of different themes in this, and you know, I think maybe because anytime, you know, you're having like an, uh, an above average, like emotional experience watching a movie, I think music always has to play some sort of a role in that. Maybe not always, but you know what I mean? More, more often than not. So I got to give credit where credit's due uh, in that regard. I mentioned earlier the inclusion of uh, Ben Kingsley coming back into this movie. Uh, that really did work for me, but did did it not work for anybody here? It, I think it was, he overstayed his welcome a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I I love the Iron Man 3 twist, by the way. I think it's one of the best things the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever done. But I think he was a little too much overstayed his welcome. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think he didn't really... I think he fit for a couple minutes, but then, then once they went towards the third act, like, I... I feel like he didn't really belong there anymore. Although there was a fake out moment that I liked in the third act with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did like that. I did like that. Yeah. There's a fine line, right? Because um, 
I agree. It felt like he overstayed his welcome. On the other hand, I feel like with Benedict Wong's cameo, it was like, why are you even in this movie? Like there was yep. absolutely no completely agree. him being True. in it. Yeah. And so it, 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 I don't know how you balance that because he was in it for not enough time. He served no purpose in the plot. Um, but uh, ben, ben Kingsley's character was in it a little bit too long. It, it, it I liked elements of it. I think it was just really hit or miss for me. I think I liked his inclusion because it just it makes perfect sense uh, walking walking out Iron Man three. Not to mention, it's also kind of a I think full circle moment for you know early days of Marvel because there were some people that did not like that reveal and really hated it a lot. So I appreciated that they were able to at least tie it in. Make it a bit fan servicey, you know, give him some laughs and stuff. And I, I genuinely did laugh. I mean, it's Ben Kingsley. Come on. Uh, and so in that regard, it's like it kind of, I think, did. I, I think it did the job that it set out to do, even if it wasn't necessary. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Get, without getting into spoilers, I think there's a lot of plot conveniences that come along with his character. Like, sure. So, some, some of the ways that he helps out the group was like. Wow, that was very easy, huh? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Also, too, I, I can't remember the name of that. Anyone remember the name of his uh, his little uh, little animal friend? Oh, I can't. I love him. I don't remember. I, I do not remember the name of that little guy, but, oh, my God, adorable. <laughs> I want a stuffed animal. Let's make it happen. I'm sure Disney wants stuffed animals, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally going to be like the next Porg. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mor- Morris. I got it. Morris. Oh, Morris. Yes, it was Morris. I li- I enjoyed everything that Morris contributed towards this movie. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Lauren, we'll pass it over to you first. I think this film is really, really fun. I think it's totally a great addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I like how it is different and it is fresh in my opinion kind of on the themes of you know black panther and thor ragnarok i like its tone and i think it's fun i do i think it's too long yes do i think it suffers you know normal marvel things that it suffers yes am i annoyed that marvel likes to be really explicit about how every film is a tie-in now as opposed to like the beginning phases where you could just see that movie and then just the end credit scene yeah i miss those days but at the end of the day this is a fun entertaining blockbuster and i think if you're going in with that mindset you're going to be really entertained and i was thoroughly entertained and i laughed a lot so all in all i was really entertained by it lauren and i saw this together she knows how much i laughed there in this movie (laughs) (laughs) and i know how much she laughed too yeah no it it was enjoyable it was really fun yeah that's the best way to describe it i mean jeffrey we might have been at the same screening actually yeah it was the one two weeks ago yeah because it was it was combined with the early like fan screening. Yeah, right? it was on it, it was, was on it was on a Tuesday night, inference. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The audience loved it. They yeah, were so they into it. it. They loved it. Um I I just wanted to say like the marketing material doesn't really do this movie justice because I was getting really anxious and worried about this cuz I thought all the trailers looked bad. Um I think it showcased like the worst parts of the movie. Um, I thought the Ten Rings looked really bad, like the effects on it for the trailer. But during the movie, they looked great. I actually thought everything about the Ten Rings looked great. I thought it was a good spin on like leaning away from like the you know like the yellow peril stereotype 
of uh, of the Mandarin and having it, you know, be a little different from from the from the comics. Um, but it looked great. Uh, everything was kinetic about the CGI there. It, I think it, that's just like a, the opposite direction of uh, all the dragons and the demons and stuff in the third act. I, I thought uh, the effects on that were great. Um, but but don't let the marketing mislead you because the best stuff isn't in the trailers. Maybe too much of the bus fight, like we mentioned. But Yeah, I, I, lo- I love the Ten Rings uh, just aesthetically in terms of, you know, they just look yeah, like cool. really heavy pieces of jewelry. <laughs> but at the same time, like they were extremely dynamic and the effects of them also were, uh, I-, I thought, some of the best uh, visual effects elements of the movie as yeah, well. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed the way that they were utilized. And I, I think, once again, like the way they're done in the third act uh, was especially great as well. Um yeah, so you know the uh, the legend of the ten rings portion of this title did not disappoint, along with Shang Chi. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, do you have any, do you have any other final thoughts or? No, I mean I I love this movie. I'm excited to see how they're gonna further integrate him into Phase Four and and beyond. I, I hope they can bring Tony Leung back. Probably not, but uh, uh, he was just such a great presence in this movie. Um, really overshadowed everyone, but but everyone really pretty much held their own. I I, uh, I had a great time in this movie. Daniel Howitt. Uh, yeah, all of the things that make Black Panther one of the best Marvel movies, you'll you'll find in this one as well. Both of them um, are, thrive when they feel like a James Bond style globetrotting like spy thriller, uh, which this does at times. Um, both movies have great world building and a sense of style. Um, and both movies have one of the best, uh, some of the best villains in the universe, uh, in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe so far. Um, this movie is just a lot of fun. It, it's really good. I think it's really funny. Um, as much as I love this movie, uh, I kept seeing in a lot of the early reactions, it's almost like, uh, Marvel was telling people what to say. Everybody kept, I saw so many reactions that kept saying vital to phase four as if like there's some, <laughs> massive reveal that makes this like the 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 new setup for the new Avengers or something. I I I didn't see what that is, but I am excited for what um, Simu Liu is bringing as a star. I think he's he's got great charisma. I think he's a really exciting new hero for this universe. So I'm excited to see what they do with his character moving forward. Yeah, I want to echo uh, just something that Josh said earlier. While I don't think that he is like bland or anything like that necessarily i i do think that a lot of it is just the writing of the character Phys- physically the way he carries himself the comedy the chemistry that he has with aquafina um i i do feel that he to your point how it is a star and he does shine in this maybe not like you know in terms of me saying one of the best performances of the year holy crap where did they find this guy like sort of thing but more just more so fitting for what the character needed to be and a character that I can honestly say that I really care about. And, you know, you're saying you want to see inclusion within the MCU. I I, I want to see another standalone film, quite honestly. I want to explore this world a little bit more. I want to see uh, what stakes are now presented as a result of the ending of this movie and now where he currently sits in terms of his status. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on there that I'm very intrigued by now, and 
damn it, they got me. I, I don't I, you know, it's like every time there's a new Marvel film, I'm like, how are they going to get me again? And sure enough, here we are. <laughs> uh, Josh. Uh, I think I said most of my thoughts. I think maybe one other thing that I would just mention is we were talking about sort of the setup to this character and how, you know, the writing may be kind of hit or miss in some places, but I think the foundations are pretty interesting. And one thing that I did appreciate is that they presented this character of um, Shang-Chi without him needing to like discover who he was, that he already had his backstory built in. And yeah, I, I liked that they went that route with it because it seems like in so many other movies, it would that would be the moment where the character finds out that they are a part of this bigger story and it's them taking the steps to discover that. But he already has that built within him. And I I like that beat of the story. I thought that was pretty unique, especially for a Marvel film. So uh, there are good things in this movie. I wouldn't say that this one has necessarily like transformed me into a big Marvel fan still, because it does still kind of go back to some of those problems that I have with a lot of the movies in this franchise. And it doesn't totally overcome them. But I think that the overall kind of humor to it, I think that the fight choreography really makes it unique. Tony Leung, as I said, is he's reason enough to go see this movie. I did find myself enjoying it, not to the point where I think it's going to be like a favorite of mine, but for what it is, I did find myself being entertained, which is saying a lot with these kinds of movies for me. One of the great things that will definitely come of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is that now a whole new generation of audience members will check out Tony Leung's work, I think, as a result mm. of this movie. God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's taken him this long to make a film in the Hollywood uh, studio system, actually, at this point. But, well, because yeah. he hasn't needed to before. Like, let's not sure. forget, like, Tony Leung is a star on his No, no, no it's not. A, no, yeah, I'm not like, saying that as a matter of, like, he needed to. It's just more of... This is going I, I think that because now that he's done this and obviously very strategically the biggest franchise in the entire world um, and at this stage in his career, I, I think it was a very strategic move on his part to not not saying that he needed to be revitalized. But like I said, to have his legacy outside of the U. Uh, I'm sorry, inside the U.S. for younger people who you know, 13 years old, 14 years old, maybe first getting into movies for the first time ever, you know? It's that nice blend where, listen, I'm sure even Martin Scorsese is proud. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he would probably say, like, oh, yeah, that's 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 something good that the Marvel films can do. They could introduce uh, legendary stars who have made, you know, great, great films uh, to to a whole new audience. I, I, I think that that's I think that that's something that's worth celebrating as far as just leveraging what the MCU can do. Sure. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> can't wait for the double feature that Marvel fans will have with Shang-Chi and In the Mood for Love. Let, let, let's get that going. Let's do it. <laughs> Why not? Or, or Lust Caution. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Let's do a Tony Leung marathon one day. Let's just hey. let's just go through everything. <laughs> I mean, freaking Hero is so good. All right, all right. I don't want to get too. I don't want to get too uh, sidetracked here. Uh, but ultimately, I had a good time with this. The emotional core element of the story, the characterization, like I said, better than average. 
really surprised me. I was genuinely hooked by this story in a way that I was not expecting heading into this because take take by comparison to the other MCU movie this year that was released, Black Widow, there was already a built-in storyline that had been stemming from all these other movies that preceded it. This had to serve as an introduction. So there's a lot that they got to go through in this movie. And somehow, some way, this emotionally resonated more for me than even Black Widow did. And I was genuinely surprised by that uh, because I think that this movie just had a harder task on its hand here to do that. So it's a 7 out of 10, but because of Tony Leung, I'm bumping it up to an 8. <laughs> <laughs> he literally does make this movie worth the price of admission so much so that it's an 8 out of 10 for me. Lauren? I am a 7 out of 10. Very strong, very entertaining, and I would put it like in the mid-upper tier for like MCU films. Daniel Howitt? Uh, I'm I'm an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I agree. It's it's like uh it's not the it's not the best Marvel movie, but it's it's on the upper upper quadrant, upper tier. Jeffrey? Uh I I would say 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 is a fair score for this, I think. Josh Parm? I am a 7 out of 10, which for me is pretty high praise for a Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as any Oscar prospects go for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it being a Marvel film, let's first start off by discussing best visual effects. Uh, do we think that this movie could show up on a visual effects shortlist? Yes or no? Probably. Yeah, I would probably. assume, yeah. Shortlist for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, I could see it as a nominee, but I think shortlist is all, all but guaranteed. I, I think shortlist is, yeah, probably guaranteed. But yeah, I have a hard time seeing the nomination. Then again, we're getting closer to the end of year and there really haven't been that many mm-hmm. big visual effects movies this year. Well, I always feel like with Marvel in particular, there's just one movie that you got to like lay your chips on as to the one that's going to get the nomination. And I would assume at this point, it's either going to be like this or Eternals more than likely. And I am sort of a little bit more betting on Eternals to get that spot. But who knows? I mean, there's still room for possibilities. But at this point, I don't really see it being their main focus for a push right now. And you see, Josh, I think it's between Eternals and No Way Home. The only thing with No Way Home is just that we've had two other Spider-Man movies and they didn't get nominated. Mm-hmm. Sure. It, that mm-hmm. just might be a case of more. Yeah. And those movies also. <laughs> you know, just gonna, we're going to just throw, we're going to throw everything at this one. <laughs> and also the I, other Spider-Man movies came out in the summer. This one's at the end of the year. So it's a different circumstance, I grant you. But I'm just going by precedent that they sure. haven't bitten on the Spider-Man movies yet. So I'm not initially saying that that's what I'm thinking is going to happen now. Yeah. While watching this movie, too, I was also paying close attention to the costume design, wondering if its blend of cultures um, would somehow land it in, you know, the conversation. But I don't really see that happening either. Um, I don't I don't see it being like uh, like, say, Mulan was last year in that regard. Plus, also, too, it's a much more competitive year. Yeah, we're getting so many period films this season. Mm-hmm. And even in the genre of field, like I would say let's look more at Dune than more Shang-Chi. 
when it comes to sure. that genre spot for costumes. But yeah, I think it's too crowded this year. All right. Now, who wants to uh, who wants to take bets on which critics group will be first to put Tony Leung in the best supporting actor lineup? <laughs> Can I say critics' choice? <laughs> <laughs> Watch it happen. <laughs> I am a voting member. I might just do it. I might just do it, Josh, just to mess with you. <laughs> I'm sure some regional critics group will make some mention of it. And I mean, he's good. I don't think that he should enter an Oscar conversation, but he's very good in the film. Yeah, no, I was I was definitely joking a bit there. Not to yeah. say that he doesn't deserve praise. He deserves all the praise in the world. But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like in kind of like what you said before, he doesn't need it. Exactly. Yeah. I think the awards prospects end there. I, I like nothing else. Right. No, no sound. Did sound stand out to anyone? No, no, no. no. I mean, Marvel movies tend to struggle outside of visual effects anyway. Like. Black Panther was a very unique situation. And as entertaining as this movie is, I don't think it is reaching the level of cultural awareness that something like Black Panther was able to achieve in a very Mm -hmm. particular time. So I think it'll do well, but I really think visual effects are about the only thing in conversation for this movie. Yep. Okie dokie. Yeah, I don't disagree. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast review for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Please tell our audience where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. Lauren and Magno, where can they find you on the internet? You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Daniel Howitt? You can find me on Twitter at HowitDK. And Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.